scripture reading this morning, would you take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is such a familiar passage to all of us that we'll read in unison this morning as opposed to responsively. Allow me to read uh, all the verses here with you in unison. And it's familiar, it's been memorized by many of you, of course, over the years and for many years. And so Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, and reading together. Ready? Begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May God especially the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for, first of all, the health that we have today to be in the house of God to each and every person that's here. Lord, I pray a prayer blessing on those that are not here this morning, especially those that are elderly and sick amongst us. We pray a prayer blessing upon them, and Lord, but we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so we pray that you might speak to our hearts afresh and anew, as you've done a thousand times, in many cases, several thousand times from this psalm alone, in hearts and lives and people in this room, Lord, speak to our hearts once again afresh and anew, we'll be sure to praise you for it, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's remain standing, we'll sing our praise hymn, our praise chorus. Several weeks ago, when I had the genesis in my mind to have a series of messages on the Psalms. I had no, uh, coronavirus was not on the radar screen in my mind for sure. And two weeks ago, we preached a message on Psalm 1, of course, we entitled the Blessed Man Psalm. Last Sunday, of course, we preached on the world and the word Psalm from Psalm 19. This Sunday, by divine providence, we're preaching on the most famous Psalm of all Psalms, the 23rd Psalm. I want to invite you, if you'd like to, to close your eyes. Some of you close your eyes when I preach anyhow, so that's supposed to be a joke. So uh, you can go ahead and close your eyes if you'd like to. And the Psalms are meant to be meditated upon. And just once again, for maybe in my life, at least a several thousandth time, as I say it aloud, I want you to just meditate on the words, this, this Psalm of Psalms, Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd Psalm. And let's begin here as you meditate in your mind as I say it aloud. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a psalm. When we're considering Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd Psalm, as we've most known it as, we must admit in, that it's the most famous of all verses of Scripture. I would suppose to you that it's more famous than 
John 3.16 of the New Testament. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even unsaved people know that line. It's the most recited psalm. I mentioned I memorized Psalm 1, but it was the second or third psalm that I memorized. I memorized Psalm 19 in its whole and entirety. I believe it was the fourth psalm I memorized. But hands down, this was the very first psalm that I memorized, and probably 99% of you in this room, if you ever memorized a psalm, the first one you memorized was Psalm 23. It's the most printed psalm. Hundreds of times I've been to several hundred funerals. I've conducted over 400 funerals myself, and the number one, hands down, not even a close second, on the little prayer cards is Psalm 23 in its entirety in the King James Bible. It's the most memorized, it's the most recited, it's the most famous of all scriptures. The author is undisputed. We know the author was David. It's never been, never been disputed, but what is disputed is the time that he wrote it. Some think that David wrote this psalm when he was an old man, which could very well have been. He'd been through a lot. He'd been running from, from Saul, King Saul, for some 10 years. He'd run from his own son, Absalom. He fought the giant in the Valley of Gath. Of course, you know the story. He had many trials through his life, and he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Maybe David wrote it when he was young. I read a number of commentators in preparation for this message, of course, and, and uh, the, it's a split decision on whether he wrote it when he was young or when he was old. Uh, I prefer to think that he wrote it when he was young, when he walked down in the valley of the shadow of death in uh, the Valley of Elah there, and the Valley of Gath there, and I've been there and done that and seen in Israel where David and the Philistines, uh, he fought the Philistine, the, the 10-foot giant. And he walked in the Valley of the Shadow of Death, and I've been to the hills of Judea, the mountain hills of Judea, the desert places, where David was a shepherd boy, a young teenage shepherd boy, maybe 12, 13, 14, when he first started his occupation of being a sheep herder. And all those hours together, days and nights that he spent in the Judean desert with his sheep. And he could easily write this not only by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, but from his own personal uh, uh, life occupation. So we know the fame of it, most famous of all psalms, most famous of all scriptures, most recited, most memorized, most printed. We know the author, David, whether he's young or old, you decide. But then we, we consider for a moment the titles of the psalm, or the, pardon me, let me talk about the challenges of this psalm. In some ways, this is one of the hardest messages. The hardest message I'll have to preach every year will be Resurrection Sunday, four weeks from now, because uh, everybody knows the punchline. Everybody knows the end of the story. I don't think anybody stayed away this morning because they, they thought that I was preaching on Psalm 23 but maybe there were a few that, that decided to stay away because they know it so well. You've heard the story, the line before, it's true. Familiarity breeds contempt. What we esteem too lightly, we, what we, we're not too familiar, we esteem too lightly. We take it for granted. We, uh, we tend to tune out. You say, I know this message, I know this psalm, I know it well. And it's, so it's a challenge to the preacher to, to get you to tune in to something that you've tuned out many hundreds of times throughout your life. But this psalm is, we consider its fame, its author, its time, its challenge, but then we consider for a moment its titles. Obviously, the most famous title is the title that we chose here, the Good Shepherd Psalm. But Augustine, the early church father, called it the Martyr's Psalm. It was a psalm that was a psalm for the dying, a psalm that Christians, when they went to the stake to be burned, or they would quote, or they went to the lion's den or to the Colosseum. 
It was a psalm that was upon their lips. And thus, because it's a psalm for the dying, many think it's a misunderstood and much maligned psalm. In fact, it's been used, I'm afraid, to say on the battlefield, Brother Jim Sadler mentioned about his days in the Marine Corps, of course, and uh, the close experiences he thought of maybe fighting the Russians or maybe the Koreans or maybe the, the Vietnamese. And many a battlefield where, where thousands of our soldiers died. If you weren't a Catholic and you heard the Hail Mary, the Rosary, by the clergy at your, on your, when you were dying from your wounds. If you were a Protestant, you heard the words, maybe the good luck charm, the last rites of Psalm 23, a last second ticket to heaven. So this psalm has been considered by most to be a, uh, the psalm of the dying. But far more than the psalm of the dying, this psalm is the psalm of the living. This psalm is for the living. The Lord is my shepherd. And John Phillips, the commentator, who is my personal favorite commentator, I quote him and steal some of his outlines. Almost every week I steal a little portion of his outlines. And, and uh, he gives the three divisions of this psalm. It's not my three divisions, but his three divisions are, are verses, verses one, and three, one through three, and verses four and five, and verses six, of course, those three divisions. He says that David takes us first into the glen, into the valley, or in the eastern language, the wadis. Takes us into the glen, into the valleys. Then he takes us into the gorge, into the valley of the shadow of death, into the valley, into death's valley, and finally into glory. I shall dwell with the Lord, in the house of the Lord forever. In the first division, the psalmist introduces us to the one who takes care of our frailties, then to the one who takes care of our foes, and finally he takes the one takes us to the one who cares for our future. And so we have a little three-point outline this morning. It's not original with me, of course. It's a very famous outline. This has been dissected and sliced and diced in a thousand different ways, but it usually stays the same. I want you to notice this morning, I want you to consider, if you would, please, verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. As my shepherd, he gives me direction. As my shepherd, he gives us direction. I want you to consider every word for just a moment, the Lord. Notice in our King James Bible, rightfully so, this word Lord is that word Yahweh, Jehovah, Yahweh. It's all in capital O's, capital O, capital R, capital L-O-R-D, excuse me. And it's the word Jehovah. It's the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the one and only true God. This is not, we don't worship the God of the pantheists or the God of the, the New Agers or the false gods of the, the Assyrians or the Hittites or the Babylonians. We worship the God of the one and only true God, the God of Israel, the great I Am. In that word Jehovah is three tenses in the Hebrew language, which was and is and is to come. In Revelation, we find that Jesus is the great I Am, the one that is, and the, the one that was, and the one that is, and the, is to come. He, the Bible says, the Lord... Jehovah, I want you to know before March 15th, 2020, for you that are in Christ, that Jehovah, the Lord, was your shepherd before you ever got to this service Sunday morning, all your life, all the way through your life, from the day you were incepted and from the day before your inception, he knew you in the womb. God, your Lord in the times past. He's your Lord in your present. He's your shepherd in your present. He's your shepherd in your future. The Lord is my shepherd. And then the, the very word, my shepherd, think about that for a moment. If he's the shepherd, that makes us sheep. 
we go to the Good Shepherd chapter in the New Testament, which is John chapter 10. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I have used it many times in illustration to young people. I read a book, My Answer to Moscow Atheists. Atheists and socialists and communists are also almost always evolutionists. I believe we came from a big bang instead of from a big God. And they, they mock the idea of a God in heaven. But uh, I read the book, My, My Answer to Moscow Atheists. It was written by a Russian, of course, obviously. It was written to someone that came to know Christ as Savior. And I could give you the whole synopsis of the book. It was maybe a 200-page book. I think it's still on my office, in my shelves in my back office now. But I could give you the synopsis, the Cliff Notes version of uh, the... Whole, the whole postulate of uh, my answer to Oscar, uh, Moscow atheists in the first sentence of the first ch- paragraph of the first chapter of the book in the first sentence, which is two words. The two words were the sheep. The sheep. You see, you can't have evolution. You can't have sheep with evolution. Evolution, and pardon me, sheep are, I don't mean to be harsh, I happen to be one of those sheep as well. We is the dumbest animals that there are on the face of the earth. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are so, sheep cannot survive without a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, the Bible says. I shall not want. Sheep are so dumb. I didn't know this until I studied for this message just this past week. Did you know that if a sheep falls over and it falls into a ditch and it rolls over on its backside and his legs are up in the air, that he can't get himself upright? In fact, acids fill into his lungs and into his, uh, from his stomach and, uh, and it'll kill him. It'll actually destroy him if his shepherd doesn't come along or another animal or sheep doesn't come along and nudge him out and help him out, but he can't, he can't survive by himself. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. And by the way, it says, he's my shepherd. I shall not want. And he's not everybody's shepherd. We have this craziness going on in our world today. And that I mentioned Price Chopper and all that's going on in all the stores today because people don't have a shepherd. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. That means, I got a newsflash for you, you may, not, you may run out of toilet paper in the short term, but there's always leaves outside, amen? <laughs> You'll be okay if you don't get toilet paper. You'll be okay if you don't get all the wipes. I went to the store the other day, uh, a week ago, uh, this before, I, I got it for my car, for, for not, for, because I like to have a clean, clean car. I couldn't find any wipes, they were gone. Well, uh, you can survive without wipes, I promise you. But the Bible says, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no lack. And then the scriptures go on to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me. Again, I like that in King James English. I make, he maketh me. Uh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I have an ABC. It's not in your worksheet, but my little outline here. He, he maketh me. He, he orders our restfulness. Sometimes he makes us rest. You know, there's some blessings that are happening with this coronavirus and it was a curse for me when I, when for this past week. I'm still put out about it in some ways, but i got to let you in a little secret. I'm a secret sports nut, especially when it comes to basketball and especially NCAA basketball. I could care less about NBA, but that's another story. And for the first time in history, in my lifetime, the, the NBA tournaments and all, the, it got canceled. What am I going to watch on TV if I don't watch Fox News? And I'm, if I watch sports, there's no sports to watch. It might be a good thing. I might have to go back to reading at night instead of watching television at night. It might be a good thing. He makes me rest. He makes me, takes things out of my life. He takes things out of our life. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. And then those green pastures, he, 
He reminds us of his resources. It's, the earth is Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variables, no shadow of turning. Hey, let me just let you in a little reassurance here in case you, you... We do live in America, after all. We don't live in Africa. We don't live in China. We don't live in a lot of other places in the world that uh, none of us would prefer to live there. I don't see people breaking down the doors and trying to sneak into to Iran or Iraq. It doesn't happen that way, but they're trying to come into... America, of course, and widely so, because we're the land of plenty. God says he has, we have a land of resources. Thank God for that. Joseph Gilmore was a pastor in 1880 in New Hampshire, and he wrote the songs in regards to, the Bible says, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He wrote a song in inspiration of Psalm 23, as, and it goes like this, he leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught, Whatever I do, wherever I go, where I be, tis still God's hand that leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be. For by his hand he leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom. Sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom. By waters come or troubled sea. Still tis God's hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done... When by thy grace the victory's won, even in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leads me. He, 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 gives us, he makes us lie down. He gives us restfulness. He leads me beside green pastures. He, uh, he gives us resources. And then he, he leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. He restores my soul. There's a calmness in being led by the, by the shepherd. There's a lot of people in our world today that don't have a shepherd to be led by. They don't have the King Jesus to be their shepherd. And they're, 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 they're in a bad way. The songwriter said, Down in the valley with my Savior I would go, where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere he leads me I would, would follow, follow on, walking in his footsteps till the crown be won. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I would follow on. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Everywhere he leads me, I would follow on. Down in the valley with my Savior I would go, where the storms are sweeping and the dark waters flow. Last week again, I got to tell you, I, I, did, I was really disappointed. I was, I was not liking the direction our country was heading and what's happening with this corona and so forth. And, and it looks like we're in for dark days and from the stock market to... Uh, to job losses, to everything else that's going on, and I could cry doom and gloom and so forth. We're going into a valley of sorts, it seems like. The songwriter said, With his hand to lead me, I will never, never fear. Danger cannot frighten me if my Lord is near. Down in the valley or upon the mountain steep, close beside my Savior would my soul ever keep. He will lead me safely in the path that he hath trod up to where they gather on the rest of God. So this... Savior of, I, of ours, he restores, verse number three, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hey, folks, this is an opportunity to be a testimony to those who are around us that don't, know, don't have a Savior. This is an opportunity to have a, a spirit of calmness and a spirit of turmoil that this world has. 
But there's something different with the child of God. And we may go through great valleys. I don't have a crystal ball in the future in the next week. I've lived long enough to know that I, I don't know. I've lived long enough to know that just my prognostications are many times wrong. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds. I think it's going to be what I really think. If you really want to know what I really think, I'll tell you what I really think. I think this is going to blow over a lot faster than you think it's going to blow over. I think it's going to be done with sooner, quicker. Than... But I've been known to be wrong before. It could be catastrophic. But here's what I know. This too shall pass. God's still on the throne. And my hope is in the Lord, not in the, not in the calmness of the still waters, but in the, and not in the, the raging storm, but it's in the Lord. And that leads me to a first bullet point, a first uh, summarization point in regards to the fact that the Lord, um, as my shepherd, he gives me direction. Contentment comes not from what we have, but from whom we have. Contentment comes not from what we have, but who we have. We have the shepherd. We may die. Oh, we may get the flu. We may die. You may die. I may die. But do you have something from the body to be present with the Lord? He's still our Savior. My hope is not in medicine. My hope is in my Savior. And so he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake, we are to be living testimonies of Christ. We are to be known as his sheep that have a shepherd. But then we get to verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley. I want you to consider for a moment here as there's a transition. We always think of this as a shepherd psalm, but not only is it a shepherd, but he's our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's our friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's our friend that gives me protection. I was thinking about getting the, the poem, but it's so overused and it's been so long. I, says, I, many, I just say the name of the poem and you all know it, Footprints. We think of that, that, that poem where we think we're going through, going through it alone. And all along, it's the Lord that's carrying us. You see, he's our shepherd. In the hard times, he picks us up and carries us. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother, closer than a relative. He gives us protection. Yea, though I walk... Not run, not, not sliver, not hide, not, not shiver through the dark valleys. We walk with calmness. Again, this world is crazy. I've personally, I've avoided the stores the last few days. We've got enough toilet paper anyhow. We're all set. Uh, there'll be food on the shelf soon. It'll happen. And uh, I just was judging by just, I pulled into uh, Price Chopper the other day and pulled into Walmart. The place was packed and I pulled in. I pulled out. I said, I can get what I need another time. Too much stuff here. Too many people here. And uh, this world is just going crazy. But the Bible says, yea, though I walk through, not into and stop and not into and get halted and not into and we're done. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And this valley of the shadow of death I suppose David saw a big shadow when Tenfold Goliath was in that valley of Elah, didn't he? That was a big shadow. You ever get scared of your own shadow? <laughs> scared, you come around a corner and you're creeping around. I remember playing hide and seek with the kids and I came around the corner real fast with someone shining. There's a shadow just out of the corner of my eye. I got scared by my own shadow. 
That's what's happening in America where, where God said when Israel would turn their back on, on God that, that, that a thousand would flee because of one. But when Israel turned to God, God said one will flee, well, a thousand will flee from you because of you, because of one. See, if God be for us, who can be against us? Yea, though I walk through, David said, the valley of the shadow of death. There's that dark valleys in our life. I was on the phone last night. The last person I talked to about 8 o'clock last night was Mike Patterson in, in Orlando, Florida. He's in ICU right now. He's got double pneumonia. He's got water filling up on the lungs and so forth, and he's in pretty critical condition. And, and uh, he talked to me. I texted him, and, and, uh, and I says, call me when you can, of course. And he, he called me. He sounded pretty bad on the phone. We prayed together. And I said, we'll pray for you in church, of course. He's going through a valley. But I, so I prayed for, I said, can I pray for you? Of course, he said, yes, obviously. And I prayed that the Lord would bless him and heal his body. But I said, if, if not, Lord, take your servant home in your divine timing. And on the, on the end of the phone, he was amening my, my very prayers. Yes, Lord, thy servant, servant's willing and ready. I don't think he's going to go to heaven. I think God's going to heal him up and have him on. Uh, have, a, have him torture us from time to time preaching against for, for a while but uh, uh, maybe God will take him home so we go through the valleys of the shadow of death the Bible says so we have the dark valleys we have death valleys and again this is more of a psalm of living than a psalm of the, the dying but I don't know how you die without the Savior in your heart it's got to be a tough death I won't know that experience because I have my Savior with me and, and so God brings us, he allows us to go through valleys. And it leads me to a second bullet point, a second truth in regards to verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The darkest valleys are often the pathways to the greenest pastures. Now I must be elusive, a handful of you will know what I'm talking about, but I used to my own personal life as an illustration. But a number of years ago now, there was a very deep valley in my life. And... Uh, my life personally, in my family's life, but especially in my life, at least I felt I was going through a deep, dark valley in my life. And I remember cutting out, at least figuratively speaking, Romans 8, 28 out of the Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I scoffed at that verse. I said, no way. There's nothing good will ever come of this situation. And here it is just a, several years later, 10, 10, 14 years later now in my case, and I look back at it and I say, God, thank you so much for that dark valley that's the greenest of pastures now. And I'll take that valley. And I told the Lord, I'll never go through it again. And now knowing what the green pastures are in my life, I said, I'll go through it again. Give me that dark valley. Because in the dark valleys are the greenest of pastures. Sometimes the sheep, they would be taken. And again, I had the advantage of being in Israel. And it's all desert in southern Israel. Much of Israel's desert. And you go down to these steep valleys, and of course, all the hillsides are just, just mountainous deserts. But down in the valley, there's at the very crevice of the valley where the shadows are, there's usually a little stream coming through, and there's life and there's vegetation. And the sheep don't like going down into the valley, going down into the shadows to get scared, but down there is where the green pastures are and the sweet water flows. And so God takes us to the darkest valleys that he might give us the greenest pastures. So the Lord, is my, as my shepherd, he gives me direction. As my friend, he gives me protection. But verse number five, notice it with me. Thou preparest a table before me. I want you to notice thirdly that as my host, 
he gives me provision. As my host, he prepares a table for me. You know, most of us in this room, and myself included, it's near the top of the list, most of us in this room are not going hungry. Did you notice that? Most of us have more than we eat. You know, we throw away more food in America than we eat. You know, we actually pay, my wife's from Iowa, I told the story. This is true. Do you know they pay, they've been paying for 40, 50 years, our U.S. government pays Iowa farmers not to grow crops. Did you know that? That's true. They pay uh, not to raise cattle. Uh, even as a little boy, this idea, this world hunger, this reason for world hunger is called atheism, it's called godlessness, it's called socialism, it's called communism. It's not called that God did not pr- pr- prosper this earth with many abundances. By the way, let me just run this rabbit trail. The idea, I'm so sick and tired, we're running out of oil. Really? Really? You've got to read the news once in a while. Thank you, Russia, for boycotting. Thank you, Russia, for saying they're going to create oil. Saudis are trying to keep up with oil independent. Our prices are going to go down, 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 down. We got more oil than we know what to do with. That was good preaching, by the way. That was true. We got oil for a thousand years. By, uh, plenty of statistics. And we were told, we're going to run out of oil. Really? We're going to run out of toilet paper. Really? We're going to run out of trees. Really? Quit blaming the lies of the media. Oh, okay. Back to the message here. I just, just I feel better when I get some of that stuff out. He gives us provision. He prepares the table before us. Notice it, in the presence of mine enemies. Now, there's a national promise to all these psalms as well, especially this psalm. There's a promise to Israel. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. If you look on the map and you see little old Israel, it's just a speck on the map, and uh, I'm trying to look at it. It's just a little speck out from my distance here. I'm talking about Israel in the Middle East. And around it is a big, it's about a foot and a half, two foot on our map, world map there. There's land masses the size of two and a half times the United States of America. And they're filled with 14 major Islamic countries that hate Israel, want to see the annihilation of every Jew. Now, prepare us the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. If you go to Israel, you'll go to, when you go to southern Israel, and Israel's so diverse in that little state, little country the size of North New Jersey, when you go to southern Jersey, after World War II, the Jews decided to plant six million pine trees. And they did drip-edge technology, drip technology. They got little cords and lines with, running with just drips of water from the, dead, the River Jordan and, uh, where they, they, they dripped these six million trees. They, they, they grew six million trees. They had such a fun time growing six million trees. They said, why stop at six million? Let's just plant another six million. They planted 12 million trees. It looks like southern, uh, southern Israel, if Scotty had beamed me down, I would have thought I was in Colorado. Beautiful, unbelievable, mountainous area, and all these millions of pine trees growing. The desert shall blossom like a rose, the promise was given of God's children. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. All around are nations filled with hatred and filled with desire to kill every Jew that they're Zionist, uh, anti or kill the Zionists, as they call them, of course. And uh, God says, I'll take care of you. I'll prepare a table before you uh, in the presence of your enemies. Then it says, thou anointest my head with oil. It speaks of lavish pampering. Lavish, lavish pampering. You see, God gives us all our needs. God's given me every need that, I, he, that I've ever needed. But, you know, he gives us many of our wants as well. No good thing will he hold them that walks uprightly. God's a God of uh, provision, but he's God of plenty as well. 
The Bible says, my cup runneth over. More than enough. More than, more than we can possibly ask or think. Who would have ever thought, there's some people in this room that if you're not a millionaire, you will be a millionaire. I remember when I was a kid thinking only millionaires are like famous people. Now millionaires are people that live in Connecticut. Now millionaires is like, preacher, you're talking about money. Hey, you get our net wealth together and there's probably a number of more millionaires in this room than we want to admit. God's taking care of us in a wonderful way. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask according to the power that worketh in us. Ephesians 3.20. God's taking care. I want to just give a quick shout out and a testimony to this church. I got online this last week and uh, I'll leave the church unnamed to certain what I thought was a very large church. I hear the pastor on the radio often and I'm not referring to Will Marotti for the record. Uh, I hear him on the radio. I heard him on this week. So I wanted to check out his church. Very well spoken. I mean, 10 times better speaker than I am. I promise you. I'm not being humble. I'm just being truthful. Great preacher. And so I got online to see his church. I figured, oh, he must have a large church. And I looked at it and I said, oh my, they're smaller than Harvest Baptist Church. God's been very good to our church. I can't get over it. I remember I'll tell you just one story of a hundred that I could tell you, and I'll just do 30 seconds and move on. But our cup runneth over. He abundantly supplies. He prepares the table before us. I had in my scheming Jacob mind of mine 20-something years ago, I've told the story many times, but I really did. We put on the, the, the A2 survey for our property. I had it done. We paid the extra $100, $200, whatever it was, to have this $2,000 A2 survey planned. And I put a 40 by 80 pavilion on the back, uh, right where our pavilion sits, on the plans. And many of you know the story. I, I, in my back of my mind, I said, well, don't, don't bring it up now. We're trying to build a church. Someday I'll con, I'm speaking in Marty Shaw slang language. I'll con you people into raising $100,000 and we'll build a 40 by 80 pavilion, a sick build pavilion. Because we had tents for, for, for 11 different tent meetings. Some of you remember, how many remember the tents we used to have back in the old building? We used to have, just for the record, this is good for you folks that are new, we met in a tent for two summers, June, July, August, September, four months straight, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night in a 40 by 80 tent on that property there by 624 24 West Street. I mean, it got cold sometimes in September, and we had the Bunsen burners out there, and we, we Lord blessed. And so I, we had this, I had this tent in my mind, this tabernacle in my mind. We had such a good time in those tent, tent meetings. I said, we're going to build a pavilion someday. So I said, I remember praying to God many times. I said, Lord, in your timing, Lord, help us to build a $100,000 pavilion. God, you can do that. And then I got to fast forward this story for time's sake, but God in his miraculous way when Verizon Wireless approached us and we turned him down within, within God is my witness, within 30 seconds, maybe five minutes. Turned him down right in this room right here. I said, no, you can't, you can't put a tower up on the hillside. You can't go in the back end. That's our septic system. Can't be built there. You can't build it right where it sits because we got a pavilion we're going to build someday. About six weeks later, they called me up and said, Reverend, can we come see you again? They came with plans, and they, said, they rolled out plans on that back table right in that back room, and they said, how would you like a 40 by 92 pavilion with a bell tower on it and a $3.1 million facility, and it's yours for free if you want it? I said, we don't want it. We don't take it. I said, we'll take it. God was a good God to us. He gave us succeeding money. Our cup runneth over. God takes care of us in miraculous ways. I got uh, 20 more stories just like that. 
where God provides, abundantly provides above all that we can think or ask. It's amazing to us. I talked to Andrew Phipps the other day. Uh, he calls me, he calls me, he called me twice this week just to see how he's doing. He was with, uh, uh, he's always with these famous politicians all around the world, all around America. I could name drop people you see on television on a regular basis. He had lunch or he had dinner with uh, the vice president in November or December it was. He said, boy, I sure would like to see the White House. Mike Pence snapped his finger and said, take him to the White House tomorrow. So he got to go to the White House tomorrow. Andrew Phipps knows Mike Pence. He's looking forward to meeting. He hasn't met the president yet. He wants to meet the president. He probably will. But Mike, Andrew Phipps calls little old me. I, don't, I always tease him. I said, why are you calling little old me? Well, I'm somebody. I'm one of God's children. I'm, 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 a, I'm a servant of God and, and uh uh, our cup, my cup runs over with God's blessings in my life. Well, God, consider this morning as my shepherd, he gives me direction. Consider as my friend, he gives me protection. But thirdly, as my host, he gives me provision. And we look at verse number five. Notice what it says in verse number uh, six it is. Surely, goodness and mercy... Some have called goodness and mercy. I thought Shirley was, when I was a kid, I thought Shirley was a girl. I really did. I thought someday I'd marry Shirley, and I married Sonny instead of Shirley. But anyhow, that was supposed to be a joke. I try. But Shirley, I always wondered who Shirley was. But goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of life. God's footmen. Goodness. God's two footmen. Goodness takes care of my steps. The Bible says in Psalm 27 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in all his ways. He takes care of my steps. I think of all the times in my life where I could have missed steps, but I had a shepherd. I had a friend, I had a host that prepared for me and took care of me and provided for me. And he ordered my steps aright. He ordered my steps to go to church. He ordered my steps to go to, to, go to this word and to stay with God's people and to have good friends, godly friends. And he directed my steps right. He's a good God. And he, he directed me through his goodness, through his footmen of goodness. But then, then surely goodness and mercy. Goodness takes care of my steps, but mercy takes care of my stumbles. There's many times when I've stepped out of line and I've stumbled and I've strayed and I've gone away from the, the things of God and God in his mercy, his mercy endureth forever. Where would you be this morning without the footmen of mercy in your life? in God's abundant mercy, where God's delivered you. And uh, I would suggest to you that the greatest times of deliverance are those times in your life where you can't tell anybody what, well, how God really delivered you. And uh, God's mercy is abundant. The Bible says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spurgeon said, death is not the house, it's just the porch. It's just the entrance into the eternal. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Back to John Phillips for just a moment, the last little outline is he was reading, I was reading his commentary and I almost stole his outline, but I didn't, but here it is in a synopsis form. He got his mother's Bible after she died and he turned in Psalm 23 and he saw his mother's three-point outline for Psalm 23. She called it the secret to a happy life. Number one, a secret to a happy death and a secret to a happy eternity. You see, the King's Highway, I want you to turn to one last verse of Scripture. Turn, if you would, please, to Psalm 16, just two pages back in your Bible probably. Psalm 16, 
We'll note the verse here in a moment. But the king's highway is filled with abundant prosperity. God's been good to you. He's been good to me. He's good to me in this life. He's good to you in this life. He gives us abundantly above all that we think or ask. He gives us, our cup runs over. The king's highway is filled with abundant prosperity. And the king's home, and in the king's home, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm, 1, Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He gives us direction. In thy presence is fullness of joy. He's our friend and gives us protection. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures, the Bible says, forevermore. We may die. Somebody in this room may die from corona, so there. I don't think so, but it could happen. If it happens, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell if you're a child of God in the house of the Lord for how long, class? Forever. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. Only the world could look at this and see through the lenses of a Christian and through a sheep that if the shepherd's leading us, it's all right wherever he leads us. I think he's allowing this. I don't think I know he's allowing this coronavirus in America, hopefully to get our attention, hopefully to get the world's attention, hopefully to get America's attention, and certainly starting with Christians, may we live for the Lord Jesus. He's our shepherd. He gives us direction. He's our friend. He gives us protection. He's our host. And he gives us provision. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, uh, you've been so gracious to us. You're our shepherd in time of sorrow. Sometimes you lead us through the, to the green pastures, sometimes through the still waters, and sometimes through the valley of the shadow of death. You're our friend. You're our protector. Your rod and staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Lord, you're our host, and you provide for us in a thousand ways to take care of all of our needs and many of our wants. And Lord, we, in your house, we have, and on your highway, we have prosperity. And one day we'll go to your house and we'll have pleasures forevermore. I have not seen nor your earth or nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Oh, how beautiful heaven must be. Lord, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our shepherd, our friend, and our host. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 331 in the hymn book it is. 331 as we stand together. This song, of course, was inspired, obviously, as we see. From